The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern North Carolina's longest sports radio show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show is powered by Greenville Utilities and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostic Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Taft Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. And now, here's Brian Bailey. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome in on this Monday. We've got the perfect solution to this dreary, cold Monday afternoon. We've got Skip Holtz, the former East Carolina football coach who did so well with the Pirate football program, who moved on, and now he is the head coach in the USFL of the Birmingham Stallions. It's an entire new endeavor for Coach Holtz, but he's going to talk about his days at East Carolina and the future ahead with the USFL and beyond. Skip Holtz, my guest today on the Brian Bailey Show, and we'll have Coach Holtz on coming up after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, providing reliable utility solutions to the Greenville region since 1905. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this Monday. Our good friend Skip Holtz joins us today as we talk pirate football, we talk stallion football, and anything and everything in between. Coach, welcome to the show. It's great to be back on here, Brian. It's been a long time since I've been on pirate radio. It has been. Now, you've been through a lot since you've been on Pirate Radio. Let's uh, let's go back to your days at East Carolina to start, because I've got so many questions about the USFL and, and what's going on with that deal. I think it's fascinating, but we'll save that for later on. But uh, when you think back to Greenville and East Carolina, what are some of the first things that come to your mind? The people, without a doubt, the people. We had five phenomenal years there in Greenville. I absolutely loved it, and the the support of the fan base there at East Carolina. I remember when I first got there, there was very little attendance, and somebody said, well, they're all here. The city of Greenville's in the parking lot. They're just not coming into the stadium. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> we just got to build a product that they want to come in and watch it. But incredible following support there at the university. The great town, I mean, everybody may knock it because it's small or whatever, but that's what I loved about it. It's about the people, and, and everybody's so friendly, and it's upbeat, and it's positive. I just really enjoyed my time there in Greenville. It's funny you say that, because right when you got down to Tampa, you called me, and you said, you said, hey, Bailey, I was just on a radio show, and it was it was at this packed restaurant, and Mike Tirico was hosting it, and it's a little different than yours. And I started laughing. I was like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're big time now. I got you. I got you. But but it, it's, a, it's a big difference, Tampa and Greenville, isn't it? No, it's it's huge. And you know, the other thing is, you know, like you go to East Carolina and Greenville, you're you're the only show in town. Yeah. I mean it's what everybody supports that have always said. You want to rob a bank, you do it on Saturday about six o'clock, you know, during the football game because everybody everybody's at the stadium. But all of a sudden you get to Tampa, yeah, there's a lot going on and there's pro ball and you have the Bucks and the Rays and a lot of people and there's it's just it's a completely different feel. It's a big city to a small town. And I grew up in Fayetteville, Arkansas, a small town, a size a town about the size of Greenville. And I love the small town. I, I have enjoyed it. Um, I, I loved it, but it, it's a great place with just great people. And there's some of my fonder memories in coaching as I look back over my 35-year career. 
when you took over at East Carolina, one of your first days, you know, what were you thinking of when you first saw the team and and you got your staff assembled and and, and you know, did you think, man, we may be in over our head at this thing? Well, we knew we were in for an uphill battle. We we knew we were in for an uphill battle. When you looked at where the program was when we first got there, it was it was on hard times, and they had won what one game a year for the previous two or three years. Yeah. Um, and so it was on hard times, and we knew it was going to be a challenge. But you know, we had we had great people, and Greg Hudson was coordinating our defense, and Shank Waller was with us on offense, and Kirk Patrick, and you know some of those guys are still down there, but. Um, I, we just we had great people that bought in, and we knew it wasn't going to be an over your night. You weren't going to come in and wiggle your nose, and uh, we hit recruiting hard and hit Eastern North Carolina for recruiting, and uh, we got some great players and we had some great coaches, and uh, like you like we said earlier, then the unbelievable support of Greenville takes over, and all of a sudden you create an atmosphere where playing at home was a, a weapon. You know, I mean, it was hard to win for people in Greenville because of the great support that we had there. So great memories, great times for sure. But uh, it was fun building it, but it was even funner once we built it and just being able to ride the ride because of all the support that we got there in the city. And the Conference USA Championships, I mean, playing in a championship game is always such a, you know, such a life, you know, once in a lifetime experience for a lot of coaches and players. And you guys were able to, to win a couple of Conference USA Championships. What do those titles mean to you? Oh, they mean a lot. I mean, when you look back, I mean, because when it's all done, it, it's about the relationships and it's about the people. And you always hear the expression, but uh, I guess as I get older, it's truer more now than ever. It's about the journey more than the destination. You know, every team is is in a fight for a conference championship and what you're trying to achieve when you go to fall camp uh, in August. But to have the opportunity to win two conference championships, uh, to have the success that we did, was awesome. And you look back, and those are those are special teams and special moments and special memories that we had the opportunity to create, but I still think it's about, you know, when it's all said and done, those championships were awesome. They were great. They created a lot of pride for the university, and a lot of people got behind it. But you know what? I look back, and here we are. How long ago was that, Brian? Seems like two lifetimes ago. We're <laughs> yeah. talking 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, I mean, and still yet, you have relationships like the Brian Bailey's and the Mike Steele's and the people in Greenville that I still stay in touch with. So, uh, it was it was just a, a very rewarding time for me. We had a lot of success on the field. We won some championships, but we also got an opportunity to deal with some great people and create some incredible memories. You know, I say this all the time, how blessed I've been just to, to stay here for so long and cover this team. And one of my great, you know, thrills was the 2007 Hawaii Bowl, getting a chance to go to Hawaii for the week and, and call it work. But it was, to, to me, if you're not going to play for the national championship, the Hawaii Bowl is the best bowl you can go to. I agree with you 100%. And we were, we were very fortunate. We had a chance to take a team out there from, from Louisiana Tech. And it is. It's one of those experiences. You know, it, it's hard because a lot of your fan base can't get away for Christmas and the holidays and the expense of the travel to get out there. So it's really hard for your team because they don't, their family and friends don't get a chance to all sit in the stands and watch them play. But from a player's standpoint, to go out there and uh, every room is overlooking Waikiki Beach, those are once-in-a-lifetime opportunities. And like you said, I mean, when was the last time you were back there? 
You know what I mean? From the bowl game, it's not a it's not a place you get an opportunity to drop in every day. But when you do have a chance to go, it is an incredible experience and great memories. And the bowl game there, I mean, having the way to to win the bowl game, we the way we did with the the field goal kick at the end by Ben Hartman. I mean, it was just uh, Chris Johnson running up and down the field against Boise State. It was just an electrical time. It was a great game. But I remember when we got back, and this is how a player sees it. Uh, one of our players, Devon Drew, they asked him what the best part about the bowl game was, and he said the water park. <laughs> we're, we're overlooking Waikiki Beach. We went to Pearl Harbor. We went and did all the, the luau's, these incredible things with the Hawaiian culture. And I said to Devon, do you know how many water parks we flew over to get here? <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, and, and that was his favorite part of the trip. But uh, it was it, it's, it was a some special times for sure yeah i remember that week uh it was one of those media things afterwards and we were standing around the field and so there was a guy from boise one of the reporters there was at the uh at the meeting and i said i said coach you had Dwayne harrison shotgun and and you you, you know you used him a little bit like at, at a quarterback type wildcat position and and you answered it really quickly and then i was walking away and he said bailey and i went over and you, he said we don't need to broadcast that to everybody and i said well coach i think we used it earlier in the year didn't we and then <laughs> so I thought you were mad. So I went up to Donnie Kirkpatrick about you know later on. I said, Donnie, I think Coach is really peeved at me right now because I asked that. <laughs> Donnie goes, No, nah, he's just he just really wants to win this game. He's fine. He's fine. He, he still loves you. I said, Okay, well, so so we got through it. We but, wanted to win. We wanted to win. The, we wanted to win the game, and we, golly, we had some great players. And you look, you know, it's easy to look back now, and you look at Dwayne Harris and all the great years that he had, and Chris Johnson, what he became, and. The D-line we had with C.J. Wilson, Linville Joseph, Scotty Robinson, uh, Ross. I mean, we just we had some we had some great players there during that time, and just I said great great memories. But for sure, I mean, we hadn't shown a lot of the Dwayne Harris Wildcat package, <laughs> yeah. but something that I wasn't really looking to exercise at the time, but it all worked out. It did. Forgiven, Thank you. I appreciate that. It was hilarious. I was walking around going, I can't believe that. But anyway, so uh, we've got our Facebook Live feed open, and people are commenting right now, asking questions, and uh, Paul just wrote in and said, how about that defensive line? And when you think back to defensive lines at East Carolina, that may have been the best in pirate football history. Well, you're talking about three guys that had a chance to go on and continue playing. I think, shoot, Linville's still playing. He is. I mean, Linville, I think Linville's been in the year for about, he's been in the league about 16 years, it seems. Uh, he's been there forever and doing great. And we, we did, like I said, and I think Greg Hudson did a great job just with the way he coordinated the defense and the talent we had. And, uh, I just go back to some of the names and the Van Eskridges and the way some of those guys played and the, the passion and the heart that they played with. It was, you know, college football has changed quite a bit, probably never more so than the last couple of years with all the transfer portal and the NIL and everything else. And I really, I really, I don't like the direction it's going in. I know there's going to be smarter minds than mine that are going to pull it all together. Um, but boy, during that time, we just had such stability. I mean, I, I believe we lost one coach the entire time I was there for five years and uh, had Rock Rogeman and Kirkpatrick and Shankweiler and uh, Todd Fitch. We had some great coaches while we were there, and had we just we had stability with our players, we had stability with our staff. And then once we started to build it, the way the community got involved with it, it was just a really it was a really fun time uh, that I can look back. But I don't know 
I don't know that we'll see many of those days anymore just because of the way athletes are picking up and leaving from one school to the next. And if they're not playing, they're looking to jump into their next opportunity. So I know Mike Houston will do a great job there. He's a great man. He's a really good football coach. He's a great football coach. And he'll do great things there. And you're even seeing the the tide start to turn a little bit with the things, some of the things that he's doing with that team. So uh, I'm excited about it. I'll always have a piece of the pirate blood in me. I'll always have a piece of that pirate purple in me and just really cheering my tail off for the people there in Greenville. Coach, you brought up Coach Rogerman. How much do you think about Coach Rock? Because uh, he really he really put a stamp on the, the Pirate defensive lineman. And I'll never forget at the bowl game when he, he was very sick at the time and he came over to practice and just the hugs he was getting. And, and that's one of those, those images that it will be forever in my mind. Yeah, I have one of those too. And that when I was leaving, when I was leaving Greenville, uh, just really probably five minutes before I left. He pulled up in his car and went raced in the parking lot and had a big hug and uh, great memories of Rock. And just, uh, I know his family, when we had the funeral up in South Bend, uh, there were a lot of people that gave some money and we put a bench in South Bend uh, with Rock's name on it. And every time I go to South Bend, I go find that bench and go sit on it and just, uh, I don't know that there's ever been a better person than Rock Rogerman. I mean, he's just... He was a he was a good good man, and he did an unbelievable job. You talk about fire, passion, and energy. He had it. Now, I mean, he certainly had all that, and I think his players played with it. And I think he helped those guys elongate their career quite a bit. I was single at the time, and I remember going into a place and and going to go watch a game or something. He walk in, and next thing you know, we're sitting there, and man, he had some of the best stories. And he's moving salt shakers around, and it, you know, it was kind of some girl would walk over, and he kind of look at him like, "Look, this is guy stuff right now. We, we don't have time for any of that." <laughs> I mean, he was just great. He was special, no doubt. Rock was special. It, just bringing up the memories and the stories brings a huge smile on my face, and I know he's looking down over all of us. And he, he is a he is a good man. Talking with Skip Holtz, who is now the head coach and general manager of the Birmingham Stallions. We'll take a commercial break right now. We'll come back. We'll continue our conversation with the former East Carolina coach on this Monday. After this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned, community-powered. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this dreary Monday in Greenville. Skip Holtz joining us. He is the new head coach and general manager of the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL. We're going back in history a little bit before we talk about his uh, his new venture in the USFL. But, Coach, you know, when you, when you left East Carolina, obviously it was a difficult decision to go down to South Florida. And, you know, when you look back on on it. Is, is there anything you would do differently? Well, I, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that I think anytime any of us get an opportunity to go, hindsight's twenty twenty. Yeah. <laughs> when you get an opportunity to see it. And I made the decision I did at the time to, to have the opportunity to be around my mom and dad, who my mom passed away a year and a half ago at this point, um, and have an opportunity to spend some time around her and with my brother being in Daytona Beach and my wife from being from Port Charlotte. Uh, it was a big family decision at the time. The thing I, I regret the most as I look back is what we built there in Greenville um, and, and walking away from it and get people like Terry Holland and the relationship I had with 
with Terry and Ann and having the opportunity to work with a man like that, that the, with the integrity and the class that he had and how he did everything, um, you know, I think, yeah, I wouldn't have left, you know, I mean, when you, when you look backwards, but I know why I left. And when I looked at the time that I had the opportunity to spend with my, with my parents, I mean, the reasons that I went weren't, were not, football related the reasons that i left were family related and those are those are memories that i can't i can't take back you know what i mean those are the times that as i've realized we only have our time with our parents or the people that are special to us on this planet for so long and if that gave me an opportunity to spend a little bit more time with my mom in her final years then it meant an awful lot to me so yeah i think as i look back at it and say you know what i i Never would have left from a career standpoint with what we were doing there, but I didn't leave because I was dissatisfied in Greenville. Um, that's not why I left. I loved I loved our time there. I loved the people there, and I loved everything about it. It was a hard decision for me to walk away. It was a painful decision for me to walk away, and an emotional decision to walk away from something that we had worked so hard to build for five years. But from a family standpoint, it was a move that I felt like I needed to make. So. Um, you know, but our, it doesn't take anything away from the unbelievable memories we had while we were there. You know, I try to take away little bits and pieces of some of the great men I've had to work with, a chance to work with, with like, you know, with Ruffin McNeil, with Skip Holtz, with, with a Mike Houston now. Uh, with, with Skip Holtz, I always remember, and I think it's a Bible verse, but I know it's something to, to much is expected, much is, for much is given, much is expected. Yep. Go over that little thing, because I'll always remember it. <laughs> To whom much is given, much is expected. There you go. And I think we have an we have an opportunity. I have been very blessed in my lifetime to have an opportunity. I've been a head coach for 22 years and to work with some great people. But you know what? In the communities that we're in, we've got an obligation to give back. We got an obligation to help those around us. And I know when we were in when we were in Greenville, we we went to work at trying to put together the Drew Steele Center yep. for people with with Down syndrome or people with with mental mental handicaps, uh, and just to watch the way that community came together with all the car dealers getting on board and everybody getting involved, that was a happening event. Um, but it was great to see the community come together. And the same thing when we were in, when we were at Louisiana Tech, we put together a diabetic camp in the summer uh, that we sponsored for people that. Uh, young people that were diagnosed with diabetes, to bring them all together, to educate them, to let them talk to older people that they can live a normal life. And obviously, diabetes is something that's special to my family, with my brother being a type 1 diabetic his whole life. And so, I mean, just we've got an obligation to give back. We're very blessed to have uh, to have the opportunity to do what we do and so many things we take for granted on a day-to-day basis with the way the way we can communicate, see, um taste, just the talents that we've been given, and to make the most of it, we take so many of those things for granted. And that's why when I first came to Greenville and had the opportunity to meet Drew Steele and be around him and say, here's a guy that has a reason to probably be more negative than anybody and say, life's not fair. And and yet he's the most positive guy in the room uh, and upbeat. And I said, we just, I'd love to be able to do something for the people with special needs here in the in eastern North Carolina, and I think that's what that whole Drew Steele Center was all about. But 
that's one of the things that I think we do have an obligation to give back, and it's not just about coaching, but what we can do to help other people as well. You just brought back another great memory of Skip Holtz, and I remember, I think it was at the convention center, and it was the big dinner that was going to go on for the Drew Steele Skip Holtz Golf Classic, and I looked over to the corner. I got there really early that night, and I looked over the corner, and you had about 14 women around you, and you were telling everybody what to do, and I thought, man, if that guy gets away with that, <laughs> he is he's a leader of men and women that's incredible and i tell you what it it went off without a hitch didn't it well it was it, we had great people working the event and having the opportunity to be around all those young people but i'll tell you how well that works for me at home <laughs> yeah uh, my wife and i've been married for over 30 years and we said at the beginning okay you make all the small decisions and i'll make all the big ones in our in our marriage and here we are 30 years later, and there hasn't been a big decision to make yet. She, that's she, right. She's made, she, she's made all of them. So, I mean, that's, that's how it goes. But we had, we had just, like I said, we had such an incredible amount of support. So many of the young ladies that were students there or lived in Greenville that reached out and were helping, and then just trying to get them all organized. And I, I wish I could tell you that I could meet with a football team and they listened to the <laughs> ladies did, but... <laughs> but no, that was, uh, like I said, great, great, great memories for sure. Very fond. The big question now is how many times does Drew Steele call you per day? You know what? Drew's the best. He just <laughs> wants to know what you had for lunch. That's, that's exactly he, it. He wants to know, and, and once he found out what you had to eat, he's, it's like, okay, what time do you want me to call you tomorrow? That's right. That's it. <laughs> he wants to know what you ate, and then I'll talk to you tomorrow. I think Drew definitely rotates on a day-to-day basis for what his meal was. That's what creates his attitude. I love it. Can you compare East Carolina with Louisiana Tech with with, with Ruston and Greenville? And and just was it very similar? Yeah, in a lot of respects. It's similar from a standpoint that they're they're smaller towns. And I say smaller, they're under 50,000 people. The university is the main source of income or the main thing around the around the city um and that's how it was in greenville no the medical the, the medical side was really starting to grow in greenville when i when i left there and i'm sure it's just taken off and i would love to get back to greenville and see some of the growth because i haven't been back there in a while but it's the same thing at at louisiana tech it was a small town it rotated around the university uh, that was there. I mean, it was, it was very similar in that respect. And like I said, it's probably my comfort zone being in a smaller town. Uh, I enjoy that when all of a sudden you're, you know, when you're three and a half minutes from work rather than 38 minutes away from work, you know, uh, it, may, it makes a difference. But similar in a lot of respects. But like I said, there's just such an incredible following in Greenville. That was the thing that, that I think will always be special. And anybody that's had the opportunity to be there, We'll talk about the loyal support of the Greenville people. When you look at what you did at Louisiana Tech with the six straight bowl wins and and you know the the run that you had there, I mean you, you've got to have really positive thoughts about the experience. I do. I have very positive. I mean, when we went in there, I mean, we're talking about a program that had never been to back to back bowl games in a hundred year history, and to have the opportunity to to not only go to seven in a row but to win six in a row. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we had some great. You know, we won. I don't know. We won nine, three times, four times. We won ten. I mean, we had some. We had some great teams and some great players, and there was some great support there. Um, but it's also when you're at one place for too long. I mean, it gets hard, and all of a sudden the 
the ADs, you, you're going onto your third AD, you've got a new AD in there, and they want their own people in there. So it's just, it's it gets a little harder when you've been there for a long time. Yeah, We had great success at Louisiana Tech, and I, I look back very proud of what we were able to accomplish while we were there and what we did while we were there and wouldn't change any of it. You know, I'm very grateful for the opportunity I had. And, and, you know, with that door closing and this new USFL opportunity opening, and uh, like I said, with the direction of college football and the way it's going right now, I'm really excited to have this opportunity with the USFL. You were also able to uh, groom one of our friends from uh, the East Carolina days. We met him when he was at ECU, and he spent a lot of time with you at Louisiana Tech, and he's doing some big things, and that's Joe Sloan. Joe Sloan's doing a great job. I mean, Joe came. I remember I talked to Joe this morning, and we were talking about when him and his brother and his dad showed up at practice, and two young guys wanted to walk on. and uh, got an opportunity to, to have a chance to coach Joe, who played a pivotal role, obviously, even in that Hawaii Bowl we talked about earlier, having the game-winning hold. He did. Joe that's was, right. He was he was known as the finger. I mean, that's what we have to tell you. We can beat his body up, but we need to put that one finger in a glass case to make sure he doesn't <laughs> hurt it as our holder. But he did a great job as a player there. And, you know, uh, then to bring him to brought him to South Florida, he was a graduate assistant for us. You could tell he was going to be good. He's passionate about what he does. Um, then when I went to when I went to Louisiana Tech, I brought him, and he was with me the entire time there, and went from just a position coach with his first job. I uh, ended up during his time there. He was my recruiting coordinator. He was my assistant head coach. He was the offensive coordinator. He was a quarterback coach. And Joe's got big things on his plate now. I'm telling you, I think he is a he's a special coach, but he's one of the smartest people in the room. Uh, Joe has he never made a B in college. I said, well, we have that in common. <laughs> yeah, be <laughs> either. <laughs> but mine, that's because mine were C's and D's. His were all A's. Um, but he's incredibly smart. He's uh, really good with people, the way he communicates with people. He's got a natural act about him. Uh, he was our offensive coordinator last year, did a great job for us. And then he got the opportunity to go to LSU, and now he's coaching the quarterbacks at LSU. And I, I think this will be a, a stamp uh, on Joe that, he, that I think he needs. I think Joe is definitely worthy of coaching in that level. He's one of the better coaches that I've been around, and I think he's going to do not only a great job at LSU, but I think he's going to get an opportunity to be a head coach, and I think he's one of those names that people are going to look at, but he's going to be a, a common name known in college football with the job that he's doing and the career he's got ahead of him. Former Pirate coach Skip Holtz joining us on this dreary Monday in Greenville. We'll take another commercial break. When we come back, we'll dive into the USFL. The United States Football League is back this spring, and Coach Holtz is the head coach of the Birmingham Stallions. We'll talk about that as the Brian Bailey Show continues after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities. Community-owned utilities mean local control, low rates, and high reliability. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back on this Monday. Skip Holtz, our guest today. He's the head coach and general manager of the Birmingham Stallions of the USFL. So, Coach, take us through the process. What got you interested in the USFL? You know, when when everything went down um, around the beginning of December, and all of a sudden I was done at Louisiana Tech, and I just kind of sat back and said, you know, really, what do I want to do? And I had a couple college programs had reached out to talk to me, and I just said, you know, I don't, 
I don't know. I've been a college coach for my whole life, and I just really would like to explore something else. And I think had I been a, you know, had I been named a head coach, I probably could have had the schedule done through the end of the year by the end of the day. Uh, I've done it for so long, and I think the challenge that this presented, I told my wife, I just I want to do something that I get, can, can get excited about. I want to do something that when I get up, I go get excited about it. I'm at 57 years old. I still have a lot of energy. I still have a lot of football ahead of me. I just want to be excited about what I'm doing. And when Brian Woods called about the USFL and I went and met with them, the more I talked with them, the more excited I got about the league and the opportunity and the new challenges to put it together, to, to, hire, a, to hire a staff, to be able to put a draft together at the end of February, to bring the guys in in middle of March, and you have one month to really put in your offense, defense, special teams, put a team together, and then the middle of April we start playing. I mean, you're, you're talking about you're going to have – uh, the opportunity to get some of the best players that played college football. It's going to be completely different. You're not recruiting. You're drafting, uh, trying to draft the players that fit your needs and what you're trying to do. And I think it's a new venture. I think it's something that really excited me. And like I said, the more and more I started to dig into it and find the background of uh, the backing that Fox has in it, that NBC has in it, the support for the league, the model they have, and they're building it the way they're putting everybody in Birmingham. There's going to be no travel. We're going to play all our games. They're going to put everybody up in hotels, and then we're going to play the season there for, for really three months. And so I think it was the excitement, the energy, something new, the new challenge in front of me. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited about it. I feel like I told my wife this. I've been coaching for 35 years, and it may be – at the end of my career that I'm enjoying coaching the most. So uh, really excited about what's, a pre- what's ahead of us right now. Now, the plan to play all the games in Birmingham, is that a one-year deal to see how it goes, or is that the plan going forward? I, I think it's, it's the short-term plan. I think what NBC and what Fox, what Fox is trying to do partnered with NBC is they're trying to put a spring league together that can stand on its own. They're not trying to be just a development league. They're trying to have a spring league that can stand on its own. And when you look at the way our society has embraced football, professional football, college football, I think there's a lot of football players that play, uh, that finish up, that are really good football players that would love to continue playing. And so I think their their model and what they've put together is just uh, really, I think it's ingenious. And to put everybody together uh, eliminate the travel expenses, put together a league that can create stability and can be um, competitive with what they're doing. Uh, I think this is going to be maybe the first year, maybe the first two. They'll do it this way, and then I don't know where it'll go from there. At that point, do they do they sell the franchises? Do they go back to their home cities? Does it go? I think a lot of that's going to be predicated upon the response of the general public and how much they're willing to support a spring football league. I don't want to put any pressure on you, but the way I got this figured is that you got 10 home games coming up and the rest of the league (laughs) has 10 away games coming up. (laughs) I like the way you're thinking. I like the way I've never had a schedule where every one of my games is a home game. I've never in my whole career I've never had that. So this will be new for me. So it'll be something that uh, I've got that going for me. I'm at least the home team. You know, and another just really neat caveat about this whole deal: New Jersey will play Birmingham on April the sixteenth. It's a seven thirty kickoff, and the game will be telecast by both Fox and NBC at the same time. 
Yeah, the first time that's happened since Super Bowl One. Exactly. That was my next point. 1967 in <laughs> Super Bowl One, which really wasn't called Super Bowl One. It was called the World Championship of American Football, I think, the AFL versus the NFL, uh, and both right. networks. I think it was CBS and NBC at the time that, that did both of you know simulcast the, the what turned out to be the Super Bowl. But how about that? So Fox and NBC both. So there's no pressure there either. <laughs> You're going to be on both networks. No, there's only about 11 million people watching that night. So that's all you have going that's all you have going on it it creates a little bit of sense of urgency on the front end knowing what the back end is going to look like and the opportunities we're going to have to to show what the usfl is all about and i'm telling you the coaching staffs that have been put together in this league the quality coaches that are going to be in it uh, having the opportunity to look through the draft and some of the players that are enrolled in the draft right now uh, I'm really excited about the product that we're going to have the opportunity to put on the field because it's going to it's going to be a lot of fun and having these guys that that want to be there that want to play ball that want to keep going and there's some that that may have an opportunity to move into the NFL one day but there's some that are going to play in the USFL for two or three years and that's going to be their professional football experience and I think it's great that there's another alternative for so many of these young men as they're done with college to have the opportunity to continue playing at a professional level. I think that's one of the other great uh, Skip Holtz lines, that, that you think about the USFL assignment and you sleep like a baby, you wake up every two or three hours crying because you don't know what, what to expect. But uh, that's pretty much what you've got right now. No, it really is, and you don't know. And as you're trying to explain this, as you're talking to coaches and what it's going to be like, and, you know, just like all coaches, just like I did, I had a million questions, but what – uh, what the USFL did was they flew all of us out as head coaches to to Los Angeles to go meet at the Fox Studios where we got everything done and had two days of meetings and was one of those things when the two days were up, I was more excited about the USFL than I was before it started. Uh, I think there's a lot of really smart minds behind this that really are invested in this to make this work, and I think it's got a chance to be a high level of football. So I am excited about it, really excited about it, but there's so much unknown right now. And not, like I said, if I stayed in the comfort of being a head coach in college again, I'm very comfortable there. I know that world. I've been in that world for 22 years. I know what to expect. You could ask me anything over the next 12 months, and I would be telling you, okay, in June, this is what we're going to be doing. And in July, this is what we're doing. And in fall camp, this is how we organize fall camp. This is a completely new world that I'm in right now. And so trying to visit with as many people as I can that have been in some of the spring legs already. Uh, what were some of the pitfalls? What would they do over? Uh, it's like Rick Neuheisel said to me when I was talking to him. He said, you know, he said, I would tell you this. It's just enjoy it. It's enjoy coaching ball and being around the players and having the opportunity to be around guys that want to be there. And just make sure you put your arms around what you're doing and just put a smile on your face and enjoy it. I, I think I can do that. And so I am, I'm really excited about this. I haven't been this excited about an opportunity in a long, long time. And this will be, it's going to be a lot of fun to go through it. There are some outstanding coaches in this league. The Michigan Panthers will be coached by Jeff Fisher. We all remember him from the NFL. Larry Fedora, the former North Carolina and Southern Miss coach. He's the head coach of the New Orleans Breakers. Uh, Kevin Sumlin for the Houston Gamblers. So, you know, there's some names that we all recognize in this league. Oh, there's there's some really good coaches, and Mike Hurley and Hurley, and I mean, there are guys that have been NFL head coaches. There are guys that have been head coaches in college. I think they've got a really good mix 
uh, of coaches right now, but I think it's going to be very competitive. I mean, it was it was real formal when we were out in L.A., but let me tell you, as we've all started putting our staffs together and competing against each other for the same coaches, oh, it's it's going to be competitive too now. I mean, everybody's <laughs> going to – it was real cordial when we were in L.A., but when we closed those doors – it became, hey, I'm all about the Birmingham Stallions, and you're all about your team, and I'm going to do what's best for me. So uh, it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. But some great people and some great coaches, and like I said, there's some really quality players in this league as well. I'm really excited to see what the product's going to look like. I think the Stallions just tweeted out a picture. I think you're, you're giving a, a gun show look, and uh, you look fired up. So you'll have to check that out on Twitter. But they just sent it to me. Shirley, our, our producer, sent it over to me. So you look fired up, and, and you're ready with that with that burgundy shirt on, and you're busting out of it. You look like you're fit. You're ready to go. Yeah, well, I can't believe they put that picture out. It was doing <laughs> the one guy. The one guy said something. We were doing a little trivia thing, and I got it right. I threw that flex up and the camera went <laughs> click 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 and so yeah we're we're ready to go i mean we are we're really excited and like i said i can't wait to get started the draft's going to be a lot of fun and going through that process which i've never been part of a draft process but to go through that and then to really get the o and d organized and being able to get the product on the field ready and getting ready to prepare for when those guys come to camp in the middle of march and trying you got one month to get them ready to to play a football game it's just going to be a it's going to be a fun challenge. So I, like I said, I can't tell you how excited I am about the new opportunities in front of me. And I've always said that the Lord looks out for stupid people. So I got to be on top of the list. So that's I'm real excited with the windows of opportunities given me at this point. That's really going to be March madness, isn't it? I mean, that's, that's going to be, <laughs> now, now how does the draft work? Do you guys, is it a normal draft? I mean, a normal NFL professional draft teams come in and they've got certain needs they're looking for. Obviously all of eight teams in the USFL have every need they're looking for. Do you do it by position or is it just flat out just a draft? No, they're going to do, they're going to draft by position. So we'll, I'm going to use like, well, it's going to be quarterbacks and we'll draft pretty much from what I understand at this point, we'll, we'll draft one to eight and eight to one, you know, you'll go that. So you're going to get one and 16 or you're going to get eight and nine. And we'll go through and kind of snake through the draft that way to create parity and go through and just do it by positions. We'll do quarterbacks for a couple hours and we'll go to linebackers and we'll go to a line and then we'll go through every position group until uh, we have our have our teams put together, and once we have our teams put together, my understanding is there might be a supplemental draft where we have an opportunity to add a couple more pieces to the puzzle. But um, I think they've got a really good, like I said, they've got really good minds that have been around a lot of these leagues to put it all together. But the draft is something that's going to be it's going to be exciting. Like I said, I've never been part of a draft process, but you're going to you're going to have nobody on your team, and you're going to walk into a room for two days and walk out with a complete football team. How cool is that? I mean, that's going to be pretty pretty neat. That is that is pretty neat. Will, will these all be players that have already like like kind of like little league baseball? You sign up for little league. Do they sign up to be a USFL player? They they do. And there's some things going on right now, Brian. And this year with the COVID seniors coming out, typically there's about 500 players that get a draftable grade for the NFL. And the NFL will draft 256, and then they'll bring about another 30 or 40 players in as free agents. Well, this year, because of the COVID year, there's like a 1,000 players in this draft with a draftable grade, and not all of them are going to make it. And so what's happened is a lot of the guys that are potential free agent guys for the NFL are signing up for the USFL draft, and my understanding is they've got about 300 in the draft right now. 
Uh, we're still going to add, they're still adding them as we go day to day, but it's a combination of uh, college players that are coming out that are getting into the draft. It's a combination of guys maybe that have been drafted in the last two or three years, been on a practice squad in the NFL, uh, maybe just been on the outskirts, you know, where they're free agents, but then they get cut that want an opportunity to show what they can do. And I think there's not a better opportunity than getting into the USFL where you're guaranteed to play 10 games. I mean, so if you're a, you're a guy that's sitting there saying, well, I may get a free agent uh, contract someplace, and you're going to go and have a cup of coffee in a major city to sit with an NFL team, but then, then you're going to be done. At least this opportunity, there's a group of young men that have decided that, you know what, I'd love to have the opportunity to be on a team and play 10 games and show what I can do and play professional sports and see where it goes. And as I said, some of them are going to continue on and get an opportunity to showcase their talents and abilities and maybe go to the NFL one day. And maybe others are just going to play for a couple of years in the USFL and have a great experience. So uh, I think there's a great group of guys and the names that are in there right now are in a lot of names that people are going to recognize uh, from the last couple of years drafted from the guys coming out this year. How about your staff? Do you have your staff ready to go? Uh, I've still got a piece here or there. One of the problems that you have with that I'm finding um, is, you know, one of the things that was really important to me was I wanted guys with NFL experience. But when you get into that, there's still seven NFL jobs open. Right. Everybody's still trying to land one of those. So you feel like you're done. It's like, all right, I'm done on offense. I got everybody together. And you wake up the next morning and you lost two coaches. So it's like, all right, back to the drawing board. Here we go. Let's fill these. So, I mean, there's some of that going on. But I'm, I'm pretty close to being completed with it. And all that's going to be released as we get to the draft. All right, let's talk about your offensive philosophy because I read some stuff about it, the speed and space, going to have some fun. You're going to open it up. I uh, want to play it wide open. Want to want to play it wide open. I you know obviously the characteristics of a championship team, you want to be disciplined, you want to be physical, you want to be tough, you want to be those things. But I also think offensively, when you look at the game today, even the NFL game, you know, for years the NFL quarterbacks were under the center and it was run play action and a little bit of drop back you put on the nfl now and they're they're in spread shotgun throwing screens putting the ball in some of the most talented players hands that are on the planet and then watching them do their work and i think that's one of the things that you're looking at that football has gone to is it's definitely gone to a speed and space game where you're trying to spread the field and get the ball in your playmaker's hands in the open field it's I think we're, we're a little bit past the days of three yards in a cloud of dust where you're just trying to control the ball. Um, and you want to play it wide open, and you want to play a fun, exciting brand of football. And that's what we're going to try and, that's what we're going to try and do. I'm looking forward to it because I, I knew the USFL was starting back in the spring, and, and I really didn't think we had any kind of connection. And now we've got the Skip Holtz connection. We'll all be fans, obviously, of the Birmingham Stallions. But uh, I, I just think, you know, in listening to the excitement in your voice, I think that kind of fires everybody up for the spring football. Yeah, I think everybody that has been around it that has had the opportunity to really get close to it, see what it is, there's a lot of skeptics out there, and there's a lot of people that are saying, well, they're there hadn't been a league, you know, since the USFL did it that that's been able to survive the year. But I also think the last couple have gone through, and COVID has kind of played a role in that. The pandemic we've been in from a national standpoint or from a global standpoint. But uh, I think when when the more I learn about this league, the more excited I get about it. And I think that it's really got staying power. I think it's got the ability to make it. I think the model they've got put in place. 
the athletes that they're looking to put in place. I really think it's it's a well thought out plan, and so that's that's one of the things that excites me. And I know for the way our society embraces football, I think this has got a chance to be huge and to create uh, create something in the spring where we're going to have the opportunity to. Uh, cheer for a team to follow football, have something on TV, and for a lot of people, especially when you look at the way gambling's going on right now, for a, <laughs> yeah. a lot of people to find something to gamble on year round. <laughs> and you're the home team, so you're going to be favored in every game. No, I hope so. <laughs> I hope we're favored in every game. That would be a, that would be a good thing. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but I mean, it, it's really it's really going to be fun and just home people and. That's the thing that you keep hearing about. I just want to enjoy coaching. I'm not, I don't want to deal with all the things off the field that, that come sometimes with a, with a college job. Yeah. I have the opportunity to be around people that want to be here, that want to do it, and it's pro ball. And so that's one of the reasons that I'm so excited about it. And then the model that's in place, I just, I think that right now this is going to be a, a great opportunity for a lot of people to elongate their career, to have the opportunity to experience this great game a couple more years before they have to give it up. And it's going to give the fans that love to watch college football an opportunity to watch a high level of ball. So uh, it is. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun stuff, and I can't wait to get started. Wrapping things up with former East Carolina coach Skip Holtz. Coach, how's the family? How's Jen and everybody? Everybody good? Everybody is doing great. I've got uh, Jen is doing fantastic. She is, you know, she's living large at the beach and doing really well. Uh, but she's doing well. And then Haley, my, the youngest daughter, she just took a job at the University of Charlotte, working in recruiting and football operations. So she's getting into the football world. Trey, who was with me at Louisiana Tech and has been at Texas and Ohio State, uh, he's getting into. He's looking at getting into the NFL right now and interviewing with a couple people there. And then Chad, my middle son, is doing super. He graduated Notre Dame, and he's got a great job in Orlando, and he's doing very well. So we are we are all blessed. And I, I found a picture from when we were in Greenville. As a matter of fact, it was from that Hawaii Bowl. Uh, and you look at them, and at that point, they're like 10, 8, 6. And to see them running around at that age and then to see where they are today, it tells you how long ago that was that we had the opportunity to have those great memories. Yeah, that's awesome. i tell you what. Hey, it's been a great hour, Coach. Thanks so much for your time. I know you're busy trying to get things uh, organized with the USFL, but we certainly appreciate you. We appreciate your friendship, and thanks so much for being on with us today. Brian, I got great respect for you. I appreciate you and love you. Thanks for all you've done for us. Appreciate you. Skip Holtz joining us. Uh, Go Birmingham Stallions. That's our our new theme for the USFL. Skip Holtz here on the Brian Bailey Show. We'll take our final break. We'll come back and then we'll wrap up this edition of the Brian Bailey Show right after this. You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, working for our community, not for shareholders. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back as we wrap up this edition of The Brian Bailey Show. Certainly want to thank Skip Holtz for being on with us today. Uh, Great memories from his days at East Carolina and the Pirates. His Birmingham Stallions will open play in the United States Football League April the 16th at 7.30. It's New Jersey and Birmingham, and both Fox and NBC will have complete coverage of that it's the first simulcast on competing networks since the very first super bowl thanks coach holtz for being with us we'll see you back here next week on the brian bailey show
This has been The Brian Bailey Show, powered by Greenville Utilities, and also brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostic Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Taft Taft and Hagler, Tiebreakers, and Greenville Auto World. Join us next week for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, right here on Pirate Radio.